Welcome back to the Melbourne Webfest podcast. I'm Lisa, and today we're diving back into our archives to find you the best talks, panels, and speeches that we've hosted over the years. We've featured local and international screen professionals who have given their tips, tricks, and general media life lessons on how to navigate our online world. In this episode, we're looking back to our 2014 opening night keynote speaker, Enzo Tedeschi, who spoke on the creation of his crowdfunded feature film, The Tunnel, and the top five lessons he's learned as a filmmaker. Enzo is an award-winning Australian director, producer, writer, and Melbourne Webfest alumni, known for his bold approaches to storytelling, emerging media, and digital content. Enzo has been behind such web series as Event Zero, Airlock, and Pet Killer. At our 2019 festival, he was awarded the Michael Ejakway Jr. Lifetime Achievement Award for his outstanding work within the web series space. In 2015, Enzo founded Deadhouse Films as an outlet for the genre aspect of his work. With a focus on thriller, horror, and science fiction, Deadhouse has quickly made a name for themselves on the world stage as an innovative and prolific company that produces high-concept projects that defy their often modest budgets. You can find Deadhouse Films at www.deadhouse.tv. Now let's jump back into 2014 with Enzo Tedeschi. Uh, okay. Well, thank you, um, and thanks for having me here at Webfest. So, thanks to Steiner for the invitation to speak. I'll have to admit it was pretty unexpected and a little bit flattering um, to be asked to do this. But uh, Steiner can probably attest to the fact that while I was excited at the opportunity, I was completely baffled as to what the hell to talk about, given his uh, amazing brief of just talk about anything, whatever you want. Sure. Okay. No worries. Um, so, as I thought about it a little bit more, I figured we're, we're all here over this weekend to um, uh, you know, celebrate the work of some fantastic filmmakers from around the world, um, online work from around the world, uh, a lot of filmmakers who are probably either frustrated by the traditional system, creating stories for the screen, or looking to get noticed, maybe making a name for themselves, I thought... Probably the best thing I have to offer to anybody who cares to listen would be uh, maybe a bit of insight from someone who uh, themselves turned to the internet to try and kickstart a career. So we're all here as online creators or fans of the work created by online content creators. So it seemed to me very much in the spirit of, uh, of that to structure my little talk as a top five list. I only seemed right. He goes, nothing. I promise to never say, you won't believe what happens next. Um, so, I always disclaim anything like this, any piece of advice, by saying all advice is autobiographical, right? What do I mean by that? It means that this is stuff that I've learnt from my experience doing this stuff, um, creating content, being a storyteller for the screen, producing, writing, etc. It's not a rule book. Um, by any stretch of the imagination, because to call it a rule book would be to probably fly in the face of half of what I'm about to say. Anyway, so, the top five things I've learnt about making stuff in no particular order of importance. It always starts with have a good story. Have a great story, in fact. Um, As dumb as it sounds, you think it goes without saying, but um, you'd be amazed at the number of people that absolutely miss this crucial step. 
it's by far the cheapest part of the process of production as well. So, you know, you shouldn't compromise the quality of a story for the sake of trying to get it done faster. Um, now, I'll be honest, I've been guilty of it myself, um, but I can assure you it's a lot easier to fix on the page than it is when you're on set or in the edit, when you don't have the shot you need or the coverage. A frantic rush, a frantic rush rather, is uh, not an ideal way to produce any quality product. And uh, most of the content creators in the room who are probably familiar with working with low budgets will tell you that, um, well, no, everyone's probably familiar with working with small budgets. So it's really the only place that you're going to be able to affordably compete with bigger budgets. So you really have no excuse to do so, not to do so. I'll get it right in a sec. Um, also, don't get distracted by the technical process of production. Um, because, you know, don't be a gearhead. Your camera, your editing equipment, your whatevers, it's not going to save your poor story or planning. Um, and so many times I get filmmakers coming to me for advice. And they, they come to me with things like, I'm going to make this film, it's going to be great, I've got this camera, I've got this gear, I've got this stuff to do this, and all these great people on board. And the first thing I say to them is always, awesome, that's great, so where's your script at? It's not done yet. It's always alarm bells, right? You can always tell when someone's going to have problems when they're skipping that step. So if you get your story right, the rest is going to follow suit. All the gear, all the people, everything will come if your story's right. Now, this next point is pretty critical and for me at least, infuses every single decision I make at every step of the process. And it's another pretty simple one, which is just treat people like people. Again, it sounds dumb, simple, but it's critical. It starts with your cast and your crew. It extends all the way through to the audience. You treat, the people, with, treat people with some respect and you get some respect back, right? Don't treat people like idiots could be the other way of, uh, of putting it. So, and when you're working with low budgets especially, you know, I mean, if you just make your... I always try and make my approach to crew and, and cast when I'm working with bugger all money as respectful as possible. And if you're not able to pay much or, or anything, as is sometimes the case, um, just make sure you look after people. Simple stuff like feed them properly, right? Don't give them a packet of chips and a Coke for lunch. It's just not going to cut it. Make sure that good coffee is flowing freely during the long days on set. I know that I myself... And pretty much fueled by the stuff, so I assume everybody else is as well. Um, I know when we made the tunnel, we had a total budget of $135,000, crowdfunded, as, as, as Steiner pointed out. It's not a lot of money to make a feature on, but we made sure that every day when people rocked up to lunch, they were fed properly. We had good food, we had great food, in fact. Um, and by day two, I had everybody's hot drink orders down, right? Coffees, peppermint teas with honey, lattes, whatever the hell it was. And at 10, at 10 o'clock in the morning, the drinks rocked up. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the drinks rocked up. Regardless of whether people wanted them or not, we just we, we got them, right? We figured it was a small price to pay, even if they didn't get drunk. Um, and we fed, the, we fed our cast and crew so well that when I actually went to approach the principal cast for a quote about their time on set for the tunnel, for the behind-the-scenes uh, book that we put together, I got quotes about food, right? I'm not sure if that's flattering or not. I'm pretty sure it is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the wog in me and my Italian heritage and go, it's a good thing. They, they, they didn't go hungry, so. 
Um, but you know, treating people like people also extends to the audience. So our communication with our audience and supporters around the world, even during the production of the tunnel when they hadn't seen anything, um, it was a huge boost to us every day that, that it, it put wind in our sails whenever we were on set, right? Uh, we had a, this little army of people that were building that not only really wanted to see what we were doing, the film that we were, we were there to make, because they put us there, they gave us the money to make it, but they also, it, it was really uh, great to see these people actually want us to succeed as well. So one of our highlights during, the, during making the film was seeing our fans sort of uh, come to our rescue a little bit um, with a bit of an internet flame war, which was a little bit of fun to watch. Um, it would otherwise have been quite a trivial matter for us, but I'm going to play you a little clip now, which is an excerpt from our behind-the-scenes documentary, uh, which, uh, well, I'll just play the clip and let it speak for itself. One of the most interesting things that happened during our time in post-production actually had very little to do with our post-production and that was that we were uh, denied a listing for the fifth time running by imdb.com. Throughout the process from pre-production through we'd been putting in IMDb, um, the Internet Movie Database proposals trying to get listed because obviously we're an internet movie, we we're going out online, it was a, hu a huge part of our credibility. Um, was tied up in the fact that we'd actually be on somewhere like that. People trying to see if we were legit or not would look at places like that. And we felt like on this one we had addressed all of their concerns. You know, it was things like you're not an established production company with a credit or this. And we're going, well, we've got Zapruder's other films on board who have got, you know, multiple TV series and featured documentary credits and all these other credits under their belts. And we've got hundreds of credits amongst the crew, how can you say we don't have enough credits? Like, what's going on here? And all these things kept coming back like that. And, I mean, it was a lot of speculation on what was actually behind and what the motives were, like why we couldn't get a listing, because um, it just seemed crazy. So rather than just sit back and say, throw our hands up in the air and go, well, that's just the way it's going to be, we thought, well, no, you know, we're trying to play by their rules, so let's just try and get some clarification. So we posted an open letter on our blog uh, to IMDb, and um, to our surprise, a lot of our uh, fans and, and, and supporters actually really took up the fight. So it created a bit of a, um, uh, a, bit of a, a storm for a few days. That's where our audience not just supported us financially through buying frames, they also supported us by going out there and protesting against the IMDb uh, ref thing, refusing to list us. And as a result, media got a hold of it and uh, Gizmodo published an article about it and Torrent Freak and all these, all these online discussions started happening. You know, there was a thread on Reddit with like a thousand, a thousand comments or whatever it was. And, you know, it, it, it did generate some heat online. It was pretty exciting and eventually, you know, um, thanks to all the kind of support we got online uh, and all the message messages and stuff that got posted up and, and then eventually the journalists as well who got involved and started putting in media requests for, to IMDb. Um, thankfully, 
all that, or at least we assume that all of that pushed them over the line and, and next thing you know, two or three days later, suddenly our movie's listed. So good result in the end. Still don't quite know what went on in there and what they were trying to do and why, but um, people power kind of vibe in the end wins the day, which was, it was, it was cool. It was cool. Um, uh, you know, it was an eye-opener for us, right? So by, I guess, treating our audience like people, having some kind of personal connection with them as we went, um, you know, we, we had an army at, at, at our beck and call. It was very exciting. So, I mean, we're, and we're still in constant communication with our Tunnel fans, right, uh, on a daily basis. It started when we first launched our first teaser in 2010, um, and on Facebook especially, you know, it's, it's, it's a daily thing uh, for me to, to chat with fans, especially as new fans, new people discover the film and come to the page for a discussion, um, most, of, most of them asking when the sequel's coming and all I've got, don't ask, it's written, that's all I've got. Um, so, but moving on to the next thing, and I'm rushing a little bit because I timed myself today and I went over, so I'm trying to get through this. Making the thing is absolutely half the job, right? Uh, and that goes for anything. Once you've completed your film, your online series, your whatever, uh, it's pretty much this. So whether you're working in the traditional system, it's very much, there's so much work to be done, but it's even more so when you're doing a DOI release, which most of the creators here, if you're here for the festival, you know, you probably know what I'm talking about. A web series especially is, a daily exercise of creating buzz, publicity, discussion, encouraging engagement and sharing links and, you know, you can't just put your show up on YouTube and hope that people are going to find it, right? There's a lot of work that, that needs to be done. Now, we had a, a tricky situation, I won't go into detail, but when we made Event Zero, we were prevented from doing a, a, a certain amount of the audience building stuff that we wanted to do. Despite it being selected for a Swagger Festival, a bunch of awards, Melbourne Web Fest included, and uh, it kind of, for us, it kind of resu resulted in a bit of a disappointing hit count, right, a view count. Uh, we were hoping to hit a bigger audience with the show than what we ended up with. But, you know, we were happy that we covered all of our previous points, right? The story was good, we were happy with that, we were happy with the product, we were happy that we treated everybody properly. Um, so, you know, even and our cast and crew were all happy to come back again this year when we shot Airlock. Um, it, this may have just gone, so we must have done something okay. But it, it, anyway, it takes an enormous amount of momentum to create a screen production, and that momentum needs to carry through way after a completion. So don't underestimate it. And it's one of the reasons, I think, that building an audience early is pretty crucial, regardless of what your release is going to be. Uh, trying to find them from a standing start once you've gotten to the end of your project, um, as in production, is demoralizingly tough. Like, that's when you want to collapse in a heap and do absolutely nothing. Um, or at least that's been the case with the stuff that I've worked on anyway. It's always pretty tough. Uh, but the old way of holding everything back until the 11th hour, I, f I feel like is counterproductive to digital consumption. I'm sure instinctively most people in the room probably know that to be the case as well. So early engagement online is, um, is mission critical. But, you know, it, it does lead into the next point, which is to set your own measure for success, particularly when you're working online. 
um, it, it means different things to different people. Everyone has a different idea of what success is. So what do you want to achieve with your project? Is it an audience building exercise? Are you trying to engage people? Are you trying to make a name for yourself? Are you trying to make a stack of cash? All of these different goals need different approaches, right? So to give you an idea, when we made the tunnel, our set of goals looked something like this. We wanted to make our first feature film. We wanted to find an audience for it, make sure it got seen. We didn't want to be out of pocket or owe enormous chunks of cash when the thing was completed. Make a name for ourselves as storytellers, right? So that people knew that we could do something that was compelling to watch on the screen. And last but not least, make some money. So as you can see from that list, um, you know, making money was pretty low down the list for us. Um, so we formulated an approach that made sense for that set of goals. The idea was, as Steiner pointed out, we crowdfunded a film, we sold off frames at a dollar each, so that in theory, by the time the film was done, it was paid for, it was finished. Um, uh, we could do what we wanted with it, including give it away for free on the internet if we wanted to without having, you know, being out of pocket. Every single film industry person we spoke to told us we were insane and that it would never work. Um, but we most certainly weren't joking. As Steiner pointed out, over 12 million downloads later, swag of awards and a distribution path which basically did everything at the same time. Um, and making that happen was hard, which is what I was saying before. Like, making that happen was really, really difficult, um, especially in light of the fact that we had given the thing away for free online first. But by our measure, I mean, you know, even if you... We've popped up on a bunch of uh, top fives and top ten lists of horror films right next to films like, you know, found footage films like The Blair Witch Project and Wreck and things like that, which for us, when we were writing the film, these films were the films we were looking at as the perfect example of the, the genre we were trying to make a film in. So to now be compared to those guys is... It's beyond success for us. Uh, we didn't make millions of dollars, but we didn't lose any money. So... And, and an unexpected measure of success, I think, that evolved after a couple of years as well is I think when your creation starts to... When what you've created starts to spawn its own memes, um, you've probably achieved a certain level of success Trust your gut. In, in, in a digital age, when you're setting out to make a film or your series or any piece of content, you're going to be talking to a lot of distributors, financiers, backers, crew members you're asking to take a piece of whatever, you know. And there, there are times when the traditional means of financing stuff is just not a good idea. Um, it doesn't make sense. So you should get out there and do something. It's always the best move as far as I'm concerned is to actually take action rather than endlessly discuss the idea of taking action, which I think happens a lot. And I've never been a fan of doing things the way they've always been done just because that's the way they've always been done. Um, you know, every, everything, any project, any given project needs to be pulled apart, examined, put back together every which way, evaluated on its own merit before you can really make an honest decision on what's best for it. And sometimes that might be the traditional way, sometimes it isn't. You know, we, uh, 
we had anticipated probably we were going to do a traditional release, uh, not uh, sorry, a, a direct online release with our last documentary, The Crossing. Made it into Sydney Film Festival, won an award, suddenly distributors were knocking at our door, we ended up in cinemas this year. So if there was a project that we had on our slate that would have been the last thing I would have imagined would have ended up in cinemas, it would have been an adventure documentary about a couple of dudes dragging a cart across the snow. I mean, it's, you know, you just, you have to do what's right for the project. So if you just you spend the time as we did slicing a project in every which way and coming to a carefully considered conclusion that makes sense, uh, even if it doesn't line up with traditional wisdom, then as far as I can tell, you're probably in a good place. Uh, hope marketing's never a good strategy. Uh, a wise dude once said it best, you must unlearn what you have learned. So, <laughs> I suspect, I'm, I'm a nerd, it's, it's clear. Um, I suspect for many of you, particularly if you're here with uh, your project screening in the festival, there's a lot of this is stuff you already know or you've learnt over the, the course of making whatever it is that you're screening. Hopefully there's something in all of this that maybe gave you something valuable, even if it was just a chuckle. Um, so before I wrap up, I think I'm going okay for time. I can't tell. I haven't got a timer up here. But before I wrap up, a quick plug. You can, I, I'm always happy to hear from people. So you can find me on Twitter or Facebook uh, and keep an eye out on our new website, which is launching soon. You'll be able to find all the stuff on our past projects plus our upcoming uh, sci-fi series, Airlock, which is currently in post. Um, thanks again to WebFest for having me here tonight and I look forward to watching you again tomorrow. Big thanks to you guys for joining us for today's episode. We hope you've learned a little bit of something and maybe taken away a little bit of something too. I've been Lisa and this has been the Melbourne WebFest podcast. See you guys later. <laughs>